on this week's episode of Marketing O'Clock. And we do mean marketing. Newsflash, get your Google News here, right in the search console, eh? Google Ads verifies what identity verification will look like for advertisers. Got cracks in your walls? Worry no more. We tick-tock about how AR can help you celebrate alone with radishes and glitter. Mark has a senior moment and is making a service <laughs> appointment for something that nobody under the age of 50 has ever done before. Aruba, Jamaica, ooh, Greg's gonna take you down to the Poconos. You'll have a wet mask to cover up your nose. Oh, on today's show. <laughs> Marketing O'Clock is your weekly dose of digital marketing news, a proud part of the Search Engine Journal Podcast Network. We record every week from the Cypress North Studios located in beautiful Buffalo, New York. Tune in to our critically acclaimed Famous Friday News Show for insights, updates, rants, and much more as we cover the full gamut of digital marketing for you. If you want to follow along, just check out our show notes or head over to marketingoclock.com for all of the links from today's articles. And please subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Hey there, I'm Greg Finn. I'm Mark Saltarelli. And I'm Jess Budd. And it is officially Marketing O'Clock. Here on January 15th, 2021. Remember, you can catch our famous Friday news show on YouTube or your favorite podcast player each and every Friday morning. All your digital marketing news from the week. Powered by the digital marketing community. And if you want to join the conversation, just hit us up. We are at Marketing O'Clock everywhere. Hey, y'all. I feel like we haven't done this in like what? Two days? Three days? <laughs> Short Fresh window. off the e-summit, which I thought was a great presentation, and big thanks to everybody who followed us there. Made the way to the e-summit, cheered us on, asked great questions. It was fantastic to see y'all make it to the e-summit. What an event. Mark, what's been happening with you outside of just podcasting nonstop? Oh, I'm allowed to do other things? Well, not really, but I'm sure you are. <laughs> I, I was... I've, I actually want to talk about some technical difficulties I've been having. We already because... talked about the summit. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag too soon. <laughs> I feel like I have to take back everything every time I've been mad at having to help my parents out with something. Oh no. So having this conversation with Jill on our team yesterday about how she was having an amazing jam session on our way home from work yesterday, <laughs> listening to our favorite song, Straight Up by Paula Abdul. And <laughs> I was really confiding in Jill the struggle I've been having where I haven't been able to have a proper jam sesh in my car in months because I got a new phone in November and I cannot connect it to my car's Bluetooth. I that followed like a bad feature for yeah. a phone. <laughs> every instruction. It's it's the car. It's the oh, car. Oh. Bad feature so for a car too. I my when I bought the car last summer, the dealership they insisted on setting up my phone for me. They're like, we're gonna do it. It's way easier if we do it. And now I can't figure out how to connect my new phone to the Bluetooth, so I can't have jam sessions with my own music. And I've literally looked up every help article from Honda. I've done every single thing. And I cannot 
got it to connect. So I, as soon as numbers go back down a little bit in Western New York, I'm gonna have to haul my ass out to the Honda dealership <laughs> and have them connect my phone to my car. And I feel so embarrassed that I'm gonna have to do that. Are you gonna make like a service appointment to have your Bluetooth connected? <laughs> I think it's the only option. This like I think it like... <laughs> Oh. And I like oh, paid no. like the warranty and stuff. They have to do this stuff for me. I paid for it. And I think this is just so insane. They're going to be expecting a really old gentleman. And when you walk in the door with your 20 <laughs> something self, they're just going to quit for the day. <laughs> Give them some quality entertainment. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. That is insane. All right. Jess, what about you? So I was prepared to come in here and talk about the fact that we finally got some play sets for my son. He got a kitchen and a washing machine and a fridge because those are the things he likes to play with of ours. So we thought, like, let's get him some play stuff. So good parent moment. But then after we talked about Facebook poking on the show last week, our producer, Katie, poked me on Facebook. And then I poked her back. And then she poked me again. And we haven't spoke about it in person out loud. And it's just like this thing, which I thought was fun because we were talking about poking. And I like forgot that that was even a thing still. And then I was poked on Facebook and it was Katie. And it's like the elephant in the room that we're not talking about. Hmm. It was I, a fun I, social interaction. I still can't believe poking hasn't been, <laughs> hasn't been canceled. I mean, it, you're just like, hey, friend. So I don't even know where to find it in the platform. But I know like if someone pokes me i got a notification i can poke them back because i have some poke wars from like 2009 <laughs> that are still going on and i'll later. get a notification or every 12. few months that i got poked back it's amazing it's a fun experience i just like it was just like a quiet thing like oh she was listening and, and she poked yeah. me so yeah remember when facebook <laughs> Thanks, was for fun. making my day yeah. <laughs> it is fun again i don't know life is boring so that was a special little moment what do you have greg so I'm going on vacation the, for a weekend getaway to Pennsylvania. It's like one of the only places we can get to without all sorts of testing because it's right on the border. And I am going with my children to a masked on the whole time. So just imagine that first. Indoor water park. No, oh! I was I was literally cringing that you were going to say that. Can you freaking believe that? I can't believe they're open. You can swim yeah, I mean, it's like reserv- you have to have a certain reservation. You have to have this. It's My wife is like, we have to go somewhere. I'm like, well, look, I'll only go somewhere if I can go like into a mountain and cook some food like on a mountain like I'm like Les Trout, Bear Grylls style. And I th- we're going to a indoor water park. Sounds like Incredible. exactly what okay. you were looking for. Can you like <laughs> imagine me at an indoor water park? Not even during non-pandemic And then times. like... It seems like it's going to be waterboarding, right? You're putting a cloth on your face and getting water to... How is this a thing? I don't uh, how, know. How does that work? I don't... It doesn't seem... I've been there. My family has taken a trip. I know the one you're talking about. And it, yeah. it, it's something to behold. I can't imagine yeah, doing it in the I've mass. been there and it stresses me out normally. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I can't imagine the world that you're about to be in. So... Good, good for you. Yeah, your EPA is fun. It's a wild town. Peach Street has all the action. It's not. It's not there. I don't even know. Oh, where you're it not is. going to that no. one? Oh, oh wait, it's not that one. No, it's to a bit. It's to a Poconos. I thought again. I thought Poconos was like the beach, oh. the beach oh. boy song. Oh, you're going to Poconos. I thought that was. What is the Beach Boy song? Where they're like, 
Pocomo. Pocomo. Oh, yeah. I thought I was going there, but I'm not. <laughs> I'm going to Pennsylvania. Okay, I just want to let you know Pocomo <laughs> is not in Pennsylvania. I'm going to the Appalachian Trail. All right, everybody? So that's oh. where I'm at. So um, thoughts and prayers would be appreciated, everybody. I'm sorry. If you have a grievance to air or spicy take to share, anything you want to get off your chest, our phone lines are open. Visit call.marketingaclock.com and leave us a voicemail, and we might play it on next week's show. And don't forget that our fearless leader, Christine Zernhaus, a.k.a. Shep, wrote a book, The Ultimate Google Ads Playbook, Find Prospects Online, Deliver the Right Ad Messaging, Convert Leads, and Accurately Measure Success with Google Ads. It's awesome. And it is available in paperback or Kindle format. So if you miss her, and I know you do, grab a copy it's really, it's a good read and it's a great resource for anyone doing anything on Google. You'll find a nugget in there that you didn't know. That's your commentary on Shep? What? That she wrote a book? There's something much more important that it's starts with a B. Not my news to share. That she made and shared on Twitter <laughs> for the world and tagged Marketing Clock and SEJE Summit hashtag Shep made her baby. Oh, I she thought did. you were going to say a beautiful stenciled wall. <laughs> no, she did that <laughs> She's too. done that too. She has a lot of accomplishment. Yeah, so a book, if you a want, wall, and a baby. We've retweeted over on at Marketing O'Clock mm-hmm. on Twitter. You can go check it out or say congrats to Shep mm-hmm. and Eliza. All right. And another note, if you want all this news each and every week, we now have a newsletter. The newsletter before is truncated. Now you get every single link. It's the only way to get every single link here. All the cool tools, all the lightning round, and every bit of main news and all of the, uh, everything we talk about is now in the newsletter. So head on over to marketingclock.com if you want that on auto and just read the news along with us. What's in the main news today, Mark? First up, we have a story from Barry Schwartz at Rusty Brick on Twitter. Google Ads begins identity verification. We first heard about this back in March um, that Google Ads will be requiring some sort of verification in the future. But this month, we're finally seeing more details, and we've actually been seeing some advertisers that we know get notified about the process. So it's first shared by Amalia Fowler at Amalia E. Fowler on Twitter on January 7th. She included a nice screenshot of what the email that she looked at looked like. And she said, this is going to be an interesting adventure, (laughs) PPC friends, (laughs) hashtag PPC chat. As an agency who runs accounts for my clients, this will be fun. Think she was serious about that? She's excited. Oh, no, mm, no, oh, no, I, I, mean, I, I think she's gonna have sarcasm. a party. Yeah. <laughs> and then she said, "Also, look at the bottom," and she highlighted in the screenshot what happens to the information. Once your identity is verified, your name and country will appear in an ad disclosure generated by Google. This kind of sparked some controversy in the PPC community. People were very scared that like I don't want my name and address appearing next to my client's ad because they're my client like that's not me and also no one wants their personal information being thrown about on the internet especially if you're on a lot of ads your name is everywhere the email also included some other information besides that little snippet um She got a deadline of February 6th, and it stated that 
if she, um, that no ads would be paused during the verification process. So as long as you submit it by February 6th, your ads will still continue to run as that process goes on. And what turned out, um, this was just a terribly worded email. And I don't know what Google's deal is that they can't roll everything. They can they can't roll anything out and explain it properly. Um, people like because what Amalia thought is that her name is going to be connected to this. But thankfully, we have Barry and he talked to Google and they thoroughly explained what they actually meant from the email. So to start a quote, beginning last April, we've asked advertisers in phases to complete the identity verification program. So this has been going on for the last several months. Point two, Google made. Second, as you speculated, we don't disclose the agency or associate tasked with completing the form. Those tweets misunderstand the process. As you can see from the about this ad menu, we are disclosing the advertiser in parentheses company name and business location, Google said. End quote. Why wouldn't you just say company? <laughs> Why you just say name? advertiser? Does anyone read these emails before they are sent out to people? I don't like think about how many things have Google rolled out recently where everyone was confused Can, by what Google said. Do you want the real answer? The real answer is that the communications team at Google isn't about communicating. It's about restricting. In every interaction I've ever had with the communication team, and I've had a lot when I wrote at Search Engine Land, it was never about making things clear. It was about directing the message. Mm -hmm. But this, if you look at the email, it seems very clear because it literally says that they are verifying your legal name and legal address. And then right below it says I understand your that. name. I understand that. But they're, they're so putting in legally, they're, they're not trying to communicate to you. They're trying to communicate to their boss who has to look at it. If That's that makes ridiculous. sense. Ridiculous. Mm. Their boss should be fired then. Yeah. But think about like passages. No, search I terms. will never think about that. Don't like get how me started, they, Mark. Can they get anything right? No. 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 Mm -hmm. so. it, it, to be fair, I actually you're gonna I'm gonna go contrarian here. I actually like this. Oh, I didn't say I disliked it. So, so many because the intent of this, I think, is good yeah mm -hmm. and that's kind of my thought on this like right now i think this is probably a good thing i think the part that gets me is a how they communicated it that was awful and then i want to know what this 15 minute course is like so as soon as i see that i'll have an actual opinion but so far i think this is totally fine and We'll include it, um, Barry included a screenshot in his article of what this will look like, and it just shows about the advertiser, the company name, and the country of the mm -hmm. advertiser. And what it's gonna do is stop like some of the CD ads that are out there, mm -hmm. where you're like, oh, I'm a mattress company, and I just spun up you know, bestmattresses.website, and you're now advertising. my favorite site. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's me. I'm Casper. <laughs> hey. Uh, but, like, I think it's going to be able to show you who has the ad dollars behind it, and I, I think that's actually good overall. Mm -hmm. Execution, horrible. Poor. Yep. Poor communication. I think we are all in alignment there. 
Um, just one last note, if you want to see what happens, if you do not submit this, um, we had from Rob P, Mr. Robzilla, great handle on Twitter, <laughs> was kind enough to share the notification that you'll receive if you don't complete this process on time and your account was suspended. So thank you for sharing that, Rob. And next up, Google Search Console is now reporting on the performance of content from Google News. You might have seen this before with something like Discover was there. And now you're gonna be able to break out easily Google News and Search Console. So from Google, they say, today we are launching Google News performance reporting to help news publishers better understand user behavior on Google News on our Android and iOS apps, as well as news.google.com. So you do not have to do anything. I mean, you have to have some Google <laughs> News traffic. So that's one thing. If you don't have Google News traffic and you're looking for it, it doesn't, I, I would assume it is like Discover and will not show up until you get the traffic. Uh, when you do get the traffic, it will be very, very similar. There will be a screenshot up over on the Search Engine Journal YouTube if you're watching this there. And you'll be able to just see all of that data. And it appears that you will get many of the different filterable options that you get with Discover or just general old Search Console info where you can see pages, countries, devices, dates, all that good stuff, and you can just see what story is driving the most. Clicks, impressions, CTR, whatever you want. And you know whose Search Console I'd pay to see? Hmm, who's I really see, popular in Google News? I, I wanna see. YouTube and that 11% like we saw. Imagine that. Those have to be some numbers. You're YouTube and you're like, look at this. Google News is more than than search. It's uh, crazy. So, yeah. Think they'll let but, you in? No, no, no. You don't help me anywhere. I, I'm surprised I'm still able to talk like this about them. Just ask them nicely. I'm sure they'll respond. Send them your ID. Yeah. You go. Now it's time for this week's Take of the Week. This is a hashtag fire digital marketing take with extra spice served up for you. We simply deliver the take for your consumption. We give no opinions. We don't influence. You make the call. And I have a question. Tell me if I'm correct here. Have we ever had back-to-back -back takes of the weeks? Like week to week? The yes. same? Maybe I doubt I it. I think this is the first Am I ever. Supposed to keep track it. of that? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Stats and information are. No, I think this is the first, and we have a take to take, I'm going to call it, Ooh. from PPC Kirk, at PPC Kirk on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> and if you recall last week, he said that uh, you don't have to lose your data with automation. That, mm. that, and, and it was a great take, and we had shared it on Twitter, at Marketing O'Clock, and he repeated and said, listening now, thanks for including, a definition I have been using more of is from Mike Ryan Retail in regard to automation, like smart shopping. He prefers black hole to black box when referring to data. Black box hides the algorithm process where black hole hides the data. And I never thought of it that way. That is transcendent. Yeah. I know. Like, because smart shopping, you literally see nothing of what happened. So you can see, like, it might be on, on, on YouTube and it might be on search, but you don't see placements. You can't see terms. You can't see anything. And it is a black hole of information. And 
calling it a black box is disingenuous because Google is a black box with its algorithm from an organic perspective, but you can see in Search Console where people came from from search, where mm-hmm. people came from now in news, where people came from in Discover. Like you have all that data, but here the data is being withheld. And I'm calling it that from now on, a black hole. And there's more on this from Mike Ryan, again, at Mike Ryan Retail on Twitter. And he responded, thanks, you can read more about that here. The black hole effect is a business logic deployed by Google. Not an inevitable outcome of their product technology, but a deliberate outcome of their product strategy. And he has a LinkedIn article that, first off, it has a great image that Mm -hmm. you'll see over on YouTube and a great title. And the image is Jack Nicholson from A Few Good Men saying, you want the data? You can't handle the data. (laughs) And then the title is, would Google's own marketing team use smart shopping campaigns? Question mark. Probably not. I'll say absolutely not. Or maybe Absolutely they, maybe they were, and that's why they keep having to cut all these Google products. <laughs> <laughs> no, this isn't working. Yeah. Secure. We can't sell it. Smart shopping. Oh. But it says we have more conversions than ever. Um, anyway, and I just want to take one little passage from his article here where he says, Google is under intense pressure. Pressure from regulators. Pressure from increasing saturation of the shopping channel. Pressure from technical debt. Pressure from revenue diverted to third third parties, pressure from anti-tracking initiatives, and pressure from Amazon. All this ties into one powerful motivator, shareholder pressure. And it is a very well thought out article, and you can check it out over on our newsletter at marketingclock.com. So thank you, Mike, and thank you, Kirk, for the first ever Take to Take this week. And now it's time for this week's I See Why Am I. This is something you just might not have seen. Maybe something you overlooked. But you shouldn't have. (laughs) I see YMI people from Brooke Asmudson at Brooke Asmudson on Twitter. We have a smaller niche client who only receives a handful of conversions every month, anywhere from 5 to 15. With at Google Ads change to search query data, we can only see two out of the 10 conversions from last month in our search query report. Another hit for small businesses, and I've had enough. Wait, Mark. You said that you shouldn't have missed this. I wish I would have missed this tweet. Mm -hmm. This is really sad. This is sad. This is really sad. Good news. But like, okay, but like maybe Brooke should take out a full page ad in the New York Times. I think that'll help small businesses. Zing! (laughs) Two out of ten. So there's eight queries, eight conversions from non-significant queries. Yeah, I mean, and those conversions can't be significant. 80%. Why are you getting charged for them, though? Crazy. Hmm. Crazy. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Brooke. Yeah, I wonder if I wonder if Facebook cares. They don't. <laughs> now it's time for this week's lightning round. Pew, pew. At this point in the show, we split up our content into three parts. Paid, organic, and social. First up in the paid news this week, from Greg of the Year at PPC Greg on Twitter um, with one G in Greg. <laughs> <laughs> and 
Greg spotted that Google Ads is now giving advertisers two new types of reports. Um, they give insight into local competitive search terms and local competitive visits. So he shared this screenshot of the notification that he got. And um, he says, seeing this in our accounts today, but not seeing much in terms of helpful takeaways. Spicy. <laughs> and it says, set up a local competitive search terms report. And you can do this in Google Ads. Click all campaigns from the page menu on the left. Click keywords. And then click local competitive search terms. According to the help article that was linked to the notification, it's only available to eligible advertisers who meet Google's privacy thresholds, which were not disclosed in that article. I think um, from deducing how the features are used, I think this is only available to people who are running campaigns that have some sort of in-store objective, um, in-store mm -hmm. visit objective. So there's... One, the A, the type of report that Greg was talking about shows you relevant queries that your local competitors are showing ads for, but you're not. And that could be helpful um, to see those types of queries, but that does worry me a little bit in terms of like Google's automation, what it's normally suggesting in terms of keywords is off. So I'm going to assume that what's showing up in terms of helpful queries is also a lot to sift through. I couldn't see this firsthand myself, but it sounds cool like this. I actually like to see them giving us access search term data right? when in the past <laughs> they've been taken away. So this is like a nice surprise. Like whenever Google gives us something new, it's like, oh, okay. Like maybe like you only like kind of hate us. <laughs> oh, this is such a toxic relationship, Mark. <laughs> And then the other report that Greg wasn't talking about, but is part of the same release, is that um, the com local competitive visits report, which shows the number of in-store visits competitors drove from queries that you didn't show an ad for. And I, it's unclear how this will work. I think if it shows the query and the number of clicks and visits that query generated for competitors, that could be helpful. But if it doesn't show the query, I feel like that's just FOMO. Yeah. <laughs> like, it doesn't really give you anything to act off of. It's just like, oh, look at all these visits my competitors are driving that I didn't get. Oh, I know how to fix that. How? Raise your budgets. <laughs> <laughs> Next up in the paid news from the one and only Mark Seltzerelli. I don't know if you've heard of him. <laughs> You just adding yourself to the news? <laughs> He's the one and only. He Am can I do not that. a reporter? That's <laughs> yeah, true. Should I talk in the third person or the first person? Both. Oh, third. Third? Yes. So last week, Mark shared out some news that Jess reported on that he saw <laughs> new page admin roles. You need to say and Mr. Saltarelli. Mr. Saltarelli. Mr. The Saltarelli. <laughs> Salty Saltarelli. <laughs> And there were, with the accounts that, um, this week, Mark saw that, with the accounts that had new roles, there was also an option for email notifications for new leads from lead gen forms. And you can turn that on in your campaign notification settings in LinkedIn Ads Manager, and you'll get, you'll start getting emails that just say, you have a new lead. 
from this campaign and from this form. And then you have the option to view leads. Nothing else. <laughs> so if you want lead form notifications, I recommend just setting this up in your CRM or marketing automation platform because they don't really give you any information about the lead. It's just going to give you a bunch of emails to whatever email address is the default on your yeah. LinkedIn account. If it were helpful and you could instantly scan like any detail Who or anything are. or even yeah. company or mm-hmm. anything like that, it'd be great. But it's just, I don't know if anybody uses Mint, but Mint will say like, there's a large transaction in your account. And you'll have to like go and you're like, oh, I got to get the fingerprint or I got to remember the password. Like there's no actual information and it's just saying the lead came in. Yeah. And I was talking with Timothy Jensen about this on Twitter. And for both of us, this feature rolled out in one of our accounts and it was turned on by default. So we both started getting all of these emails to our personal email accounts of these lead form submissions and we're like how do we turn this off <laughs> i'm still getting them i so haven't gotten it <laughs> i'm i'm thankful that mark found this so i don't have to get those emails anymore i believe it's mark I thankful mark found it so mark doesn't have to get those emails anymore but it, we could be mixing there you go yeah. all right yeah so this is so. mark getting a clock after all oh okay. I, I like that <laughs> and now our segment beyond google ads google doesn't care about you but we do. And this week, we are talking about something reported on back in June, but we didn't have the segment back then. And mm. it is about Hulu self-service ads. And for a low minimum of only $500, you can advertise on Hulu. I believe it is still in beta, but sign up, see if you can get in there. We're always looking for new platforms and different areas where you can spend money, especially with video. These are only video ads, but you can set up different campaigns and different targeting within there. So if you have video content, video ads, don't sleep on Hulu. And we had a really bad rhyme as well in the eSummit. But Mm -hmm. um, if it's ever available for download and you missed us at the eSummit, you might be able to find it there. You yeah, can make Craig a... is now an acclaimed <laughs> children's writer, <laughs> writing bedtime stories about mm-hmm. Hulu. Yeah, I was just about to make a joke, but then I realized I don't really know what it is. So you don't make a like a hula baloo. Oh, wow. wow. But that was wow. really bad. Hulu would have guessed you'd bomb that pun. <laughs> yeah, okay, this is painful. Greg, do you want to take us to organic now? <laughs> yeah. Please. Okay. So first up from Search Engine Journal and Roger Monti. Martini Buster. Hey. There is a article called Google Ad Salesperson Alleged to Link Organic Ranking to Ad Spend. And Roger says, a member of the search community alleged in a tweet that their client was explicitly told by Google that spending more on pay-per-click advertising would improve their organic search rankings. I am... Going to, we were putting this in here only for the fact that I don't trust this. I don't trust this in the absolute least bit. I got involved in this Twitter thread in like a funny joke where I was sharing John Kagan's, I can't believe this didn't win tweet of the year, when he talked about uh, the Google ad rep talking about vineyards and he said, What type of service is vineyard? And <laughs> like, so I was just re- re- replying to somebody who had replied and just having fun. I don't think that this per- person actually, I don't know, I just don't trust it. Let's just leave it at that. I'm not even going to say the person's name. Um, but apparently, there was 
an email forwarded from a client and the link was that ads help organic rankings. In a way, you could make an argument that they are correlated. Mm-hmm. They're not causative, right? Like if you drive, if you if I spend $20 million in ads, more people are going to look for marketing clock, right? Like if I spend it on that, like obviously there's a correlation, but it's not a causative effect. Ads don't impact organic rankings. And the thing that I, why I'm so dubious about this is the person stated that a client forwarded the email with a holy cow, I can't believe they put it in writing and then said that we have sophisticated and smart clients, but didn't give receipts. Mm. Are you going to make a claim like this? Mm-hmm. Danny Sullivan's involved. Everything. Where are the receipts? Show me the receipts. You're going to like, it's, Look, I'll put a Gasson blur on your on your Photoshop here. Like, I'll help you get the the important information out. But I have not seen any receipts on this. So, um, just again, there is no causation of ad spend and inherent intrinsic improvement of organic rankings. And next up from 2019 BFF the show, Glenn Gabe, he had seen that subtopics are now live. And if you remember from the on search when there was that beautiful rollout of the Google passages with that stunning before and after photo, he there was also a section about subtopics. And if you don't recall what subtopics are, subtopics, I'm gonna read from the on search event. And from what I've heard, this is still accurate. We've applied neural nets to understand subtopics around an interest, which helps deliver a greater diversity of content when you search for something broad. As an example, if you search for home exercise equipment, we can now understand relevant subtopics such as budget equipment, premium picks, or small space ideas. So Glenn has seen this rolling out. He asked Danny about that, or just stated it, I guess. Um, Let me see. No, he did ask Danny. Yeah, that's right. He did. (laughs) And those neural nets are actually live. And whenever I hear neural net, all I think of is my CPU is a neural net processor. What are you talking about? No. See, it's so hard to make jokes. Because like my humor is nowhere. Like I I could do sports humor. Like that's it. Like 90s movies. Got that. I should get that. No. What is this? Is this sports or a 90s movie? Oh. Oh. My my CPU is a neural net processor. The bridge is out. That's all I got. (laughs) Get to the chopper. All right. Well, anyway. I got lost. (laughs) This was out. Glenn spotted it before anybody else did. And then he asked Danny, and Danny confirmed. And this is great. It's almost like what Barry responds like. Not new. Danny said, well, Glenn asked Danny. Hi, Danny. Sorry. I should have asked this last night. Do you know when the subtopics rolled out? Thanks again for replying to my tweet about this. And Danny said, mid-November 2020. <laughs> so it's been <laughs> out for uh, about a month and a half and, and change. So cool. All right. From Matt Southern over at Search Engine Journal, YouTube is launching a new type of search results page that appears when users look for videos by hashtag. Apparently, there's a way to search by hashtag back in 2018, but it never worked perfectly. YouTube is the second biggest search engine out there. What creep is searching for <laughs> hashtags on YouTube? Like, just search. Like, what do you have next? Hashtags for Google? Like, yeah. 
I want to know no. who's searching hashtags. Hashtag videos. I, I bet they get a lot of results. You could use hashtags on No, you, you can put in like your topics, what it is. Yeah, you don't like your tags hashtag. that you set up the video. So now like when we upload this, do I have to put hashtags in for the the goofball <laughs> searches for hashtags? Should we brainstorm some hashtags? No. <laughs> no. Okay. Well, another thing that Google launched was over on Search Engine Land written by Barry Schwartz. And I learned he is a power listener listening right now. Hey. Barry. Hi, Hi Barry. Hey, thanks, Barry. You know, the one thing that kind of made me a little dubious to that claim, he said we were funny. So he must have oh, been listening. he's listening that. to the wrong show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, there are new reports out in Google My Business. And he said the positive news is you get six months of data, which is twice as long as three months of data we received previously. But Good math. It is missing some points. Yeah, it is. It's it like, checks out. It's like almost double. Um, <laughs> and the things that are missing here is that it does not include metrics like website clicks and driving directions initiated. The, you take out the website clicks? That's really important. Seems useful, yeah. <laughs> and it also doesn't show you if searchers found you on Google Search versus Google Maps as the current Google Insights report does. And one thing I liked is you showed the examples of this and all the different people interacting with you um, from calls, messages, and then how people discovered you. Barry is quite a popular site that Rusty Brick is. The number one query driving leads to rustybrick.com, I assume, is Rusty Brick. Number two, Rusty Space Brick. Number three, Google. <laughs> that's wild. How fitting is that? That's like that's wild. perfect. Also, that means that people are out there googling Google. But he's earned it. He totally. earned that Google. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no. people search Google on Google. I think I've done yeah. it by accident before. Well, Barry will be there to answer all <laughs> your questions and just say "not new" back to you. All right. Next up from the developers blog. There is index coverage data improvements that have rolled out on the 11th of January, on Monday of this week. And in it, they've removed the generic crawl anomaly search or issue type, where all crawl errors should now be mapped to an issue with a finer resolution. Pages that were submitted but blocked by robots.txt and got indexed are now reported as indexed but blocked instead of submitted but blocked. There's an addition of a new issue indexed without content if something's like super cloaked. And then a soft 404 reporting is now more accurate. And let's take this organic section from a soft 404 to a hard 301 over to social. What do you got, Jess? <laughs> You're such a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny, though. Barry's right. First up in the social news this week, Facebook is testing a new feature in the Post Composer. So this was spotted by Matt Navarro, who tweeted a screenshot of it late last week. The new Composer essentially has a choose photos module, if you will, just right below the text area, which appears to pull in the most recent photos on your device. So it's kind of a small change, but it definitely makes life easier for anyone looking to add a picture to whatever it is they're ranting about on Facebook. Wait, Next, people rant there? Yeah. They, oh. they have just nothing but things to say with their opinions. Greg, you like rants. Maybe you should use Facebook <laughs> You should more. use Facebook. Uh, I don't like those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> those are rants. <laughs> yeah. Not fun. I didn't want to get into it, but we will later. 
For now, let's talk about TikTok. They have released a new AR effect on the iPhone 12 specifically, and they tweeted, I will read the tweet from at TikTok comms. To ring in 2021, we released our first AR effect on the new iPhone 12 Pro using LiDAR technology, which allows us to create effects that interact with your environment, visually bridging the digital and physical worlds. We're excited to develop more innovative effects in 2021. Did you guys watch this? No. By chance? It's wild. Like, I, I really didn't think I was going to be impressed by this, but it, it's basically, it will have uh, the link in there too to the tweet so you can watch the video. But to describe it to our listeners, this guy in the video is just like standing in his room, celebrating the new year, ringing it in alone. And the AR effect is like a little ball drop. And then when 2021 hits, the ball explodes into glitter. And the glitter, which is not real, this is the AR effect, lands on his arms and on the couch. And it was actually really convincing. And then when he was done celebrating, he put his arms down and walked away and the glitter fell off his arms and fell to the floor. It was just wild. You guys are looking at me like you're not impressed. I oh. was wowed by this. It's it's cool. <sighs> uh, not not to be a dead horse, but is it going to discriminate against what your environment looks like? <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a crack in the wall here? It's, it's light on the plaster. The will flow into it. That's why they don't want that, because they don't know how to deal with it with their AR <laughs> Honestly, that sounds like the world's worst New Year. I couldn't imagine anything worse than setting my phone up watching my stupid little phone from 10 feet away while the ball's dropping, not look at the ball dropping, looking at my phone just for me to have things land on me. I couldn't think of anything worse, Jess. I can. The daikon radish. The machines are going to take over, whether it's glitter or terrible illustrations. It just comes through with its ball. Wrap Salisha on your neck. Well, I think that I think that should be their next AR experience. It could. It could. Blending AR A with AI. radish yeah. walks its dog around you, and you can like pet the dog. I might get TikTok just for that. <laughs> I don't know. It, I, I thought it was cool and fun. Smart marketers out there should start thinking now about how to add more interactivity to their social experience because this is what the kids are into. Some more cool stuff. Hopefully this one will impress you guys. Events functionality may be coming to Snapchat. Nope, crickets. No one cares. <laughs> this is according to a new patent filing from Snap and the basic functionality just sounds like users can create an event invite and kind of overlay it on their content like a sticker or a filter then they send it to their friends people can respond whether they're coming or not they can see other attendees and chat with them and then you'll also be able to see the event location on snap maps which is the cutest little name and we don't know too much but pat and drop who covered this speculated there could be a nice play here with businesses offering incentives for groups to meet up at their location someday when we're allowed to do that and finally if your twitter follower count is memorized and you saw that it was suddenly lower don't panic first off if your twitter account <laughs> is memorized you're probably the same person celebrating 2021 by yourself with tiktok and lidar confetti all right i don't even like tiktok i just thought it was cool looking <laughs> <laughs> don't memorize your twitter account happy jess new year a, greg jess is a closet talker i am not i have i have clips curated for me and i only watch the ones my friends think that i'll think is funny anyway if you saw your Twitter follower count suddenly drop, please don't panic. Twitter has suspended more than 70,000 accounts in the wake of the Capitol riots. Twitter said these accounts were, quote, engaged in sharing harmful QAnon-associated content at scale and were primarily dedicated to the propagation of this conspiracy theory across the service, end quote. And they also noted that a lot of the individuals whose accounts were suspended also had multiple accounts, so that's why the number was so high, that 70,000. Fun. 
Yeah. Can you explain to the audience what QAnon is, Jess? No, thank you. Okay. We have search engines. <laughs> <laughs> On a related note, Facebook also announced that they will be removing all posts on the platform that include the phrase, quote, stop the steal, end quote, leading up to the inauguration. And I don't think we officially covered the fact that Trump's accounts on both Twitter and Facebook have been removed. So there is that, too. All right. And stop the steal. What's that, Jess? Ba- um, I'm, I'm assuming it's basketball app related, like too many turnovers. Hashtag sports. Yeah. Google it, kids. <laughs> Go Bills. Now it's time for this week's WTH. Misguided. You're like, who does that? <laughs> Just get rid of it. I'm over it. Where we rant, rave, and roll our eyes about our trending digital marketing topic. What are we coming to? Honestly. See what had us asking. W-T-H. This week. Not only do we have the first back-to-back take of the week this week. but take to take Take-to-take. We also, for the first time, have a double feature, WTH. Oh, no. <laughs> and it's a special one on ad fraud. Womp. Because <laughs> <laughs> this, this is cray. Literally cray. So the first part is from Nandini Jamney at Nandoodles on Twitter. Great. Great. Uh, and we handle? have some great handles today. Mr. Robzilla and Nandoodles. <laughs> Love them. He said, the biggest story in tech no one's talking about is Uber discovering they've been defrauded out of $100 million, or two-thirds of their ad spend. And all because sleeping giants kept bugging them to block their ads on Breitbart. Basically, what happened was people were annoyed that Uber was advertising on Breitbart. And people kept asking them to stop. And And Mark, can you quickly explain Breitbart? (laughs) Google it. Google it. (laughs) Steve Ban, no. And... They told their vendors to block Breitbart, but their ads kept showing up on Breitbart. And people were tweeting at their CEO being like, yo, like you're still on Breitbart. And the CEO was tweeting at their uh, marketing team being like, fix this. And they're like, we did. So then... And then they hit um, search partners on their optimization score and they're back in Breitbart. Basically, then they were like, we need to audit our vendors. So they made sure everyone was blocking Breitbart and were able to cut their ad spend by 10% and nothing changed. Like their same user user acquisition was completely unaffected. By Fire this. the department. Right? And don't you do that at that point? Like, get rid of them. Get rid of it. So then after the Breitbart, they were like, Breit, buy. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> they did another audit and they found a bunch of their vendors were reporting installs of Uber two seconds after ad click, which is too fast to install the app and log in. So they fired all of those vendors and cut down ad spend another 50 million. Acquisition was still unchanged. And then through optimization, they were able to cut another $20 million in ad spend just by optimizing everything that was left after they cut all those vendors. So they basically were wasting $130 million in ad spend um, to fraudulent vendors who were not doing their job. And all of those installs, why acquisition didn't change, because they were just doing really well on word of mouth, and all of these 
fraudulent vendors were just reporting organic installs as paid. So bad marketers. Watch out. Incredible. Our, our second story really strikes home, hits Greg really hard oh, because goodness. we had this happen to a client. With all, we are all on this client as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we were. It's actually funny, though, because Jess was on maternity leave and when I started here and I was working on this client, and I, I didn't know Jess, so we didn't get to work Aww. on Critio together and suffer <laughs> through that. We can just talk about it now. Yeah, that'd be lovely to rehash those scars. <laughs> But this came from Andrew Lulk at Andrew Lulk on Twitter. And he was talking about, um, he said, three years ago when it was just me and Savvy, I went deep on Critio tracking and found that it took credit for many more orders than they could possibly take credit for. We went order ID by order ID. It was staggering. We haven't used or recommended Critio since then. And we had a very Slow similar. Clap. Y'all are clapping too fast. Oh, oh. Golf clap. <laughs> but we did like the same thing. Like we s were running our own remarketing campaigns against Critio. We used Google Analytics to track everything against Critio's own dashboards. And we even included assisted conversions. because so we're like, maybe they're just including assisted and marking that as their own. And even with assisted conversions included, it their numbers were still way too high. And their points were basically, they say they're an ad retargeting company, they're keeping your brand safe, and that is really all a lie. You can't see in their platform which sites are actually driving sales. And they did a full audit of all of their sites. Basically, 95% of the sites were harmful or useless. There was two dozen or more bad faith publishers, websites promoting racism, COVID misinformation, hate speech, all in their inventory while they're telling you that Critio is a brand safe platform. So those 95% of sites excluded, bad faith publishers excluded, Android apps excluded, blocked any websites that weren't based in the US and Canada, and their ad spend dropped from 1200 a day to $40 a day. If you're using Critio, wow. you need to really reassess what's happening. Yeah. We were in this, Mark, I generally think I can find, I'm very good at figuring things out and where everything comes from. I'm looking at these Critio numbers and the reporting system. There is nothing remotely close to what's coming in in e-com. And I'm not going to say the client's name. I'm not going to say the first name, anything like that. We brought this up and said, this isn't working. We need to cut this back and put it here because our return is is so much better. The response that we got, again, they're paying us for this, like for our their, for, for our expertise is, how do you know better than Critio? It's like, I'm not, I'm not taking your ad budgets. I'm, I'm trying to make you money. Was in, were you on those calls when that oh, happened? Oh, yeah. Insane. That was like my first week at Cypress North. <sighs> and I'm sitting on this call being like, why does this person trust Critio so much? I don't trust any programmatic platform, honestly. Like, definitely, have... it's, it's literally, we were talking about earlier, this is a black hole. Mm -hmm. You are throwing your money into a black hole with Critio. They have some smooth talkers, too, in the sales and project management it's department. disgusting. So, so yeah. But you and again, I'm not saying don't use it. Use it, but use it on your terms. You might as well never log in to 
the performance report as long as you're hitting uh, again make sure you're not spending too much money yeah. but look at your ga and, we, and for this client we had a very custom attribution model uh, and any way we looked at we could never find anything associated with credit i have no idea how they're attributing things in the slightest and that's what everybody does outside of things so again to the, to the credit of the bigger platforms that sometimes do questionable things at least they those conversions can be found uh, these outside vendors are suspect and that brings us to our real life segment straight out of our accounts and into your ear holes it's time for working hard or hardly working where we talk about what's going on in our irl work good bad or otherwise i've had this come up not once but twice this week with clients making year-long commitments to webinar software that does not connect properly to their CRM or their marketing automation platform. And they either don't have attribution on the webinar signups or they end up having to do all of these painful manual imports and having to deduplicate contacts because one of their customers used their personal email address or they're having to manually mark whether someone actually attended the webinar. And I think like the biggest thing I can say about webinar software is that some of them out there, like go to webinars pretty good, um, integrate directly with your CRM or marketing automation platform, or you can use Zapier to do that. And I think most people when they're considering webinar software, they're only thinking about the actual like hosting the webinar and using it to host the webinar. But I just want to give a piece of advice. Think about how well it will play with your current marketing systems before you make a commitment to a webinar software. So that's my little soapbox for today. Jess, <laughs> what's happening over in your world? So I have an update on the Facebook ads account deactivation debacle of 2021 that I talked about last week. We had a client who had several Facebook ads accounts. They were all in the same business manager and they were all deactivated. And we were trying to figure out why. And we still haven't gotten there um, where we've reached the point, Mark, we're similar to your experience. We had Facebook say, okay, we need to verify who you are. Clients submitted their ID. We haven't gotten the notice that they don't have time to look at it yet. And uh, the client's been logging in every day or trying to see if they can get in and they still can't. But the word of caution, I guess, to share with this is it's associated with the owner of the business manager account. So if you have multiple accounts in the same business manager and your account has issues, you may see that trickle down effect. So still don't have an answer, but a heads up. Did you try DMing Rob Luther? <laughs> I hear he's not available anymore. No, he's at Google now. <laughs> what? He's at Google. Is he? Yeah. Doing what? Did we miss that announcement? Oh, he, he's, he's at Google. I forget. Should he's we have uh, covered security. that in the news this week? Yeah, we probably should have. No, he's in privacy. It's not marketing related. Privacy and security your data. So congrats, oh, Rob. Yeah. Now it's included. Congratulations. Well, I yeah. hope with, with Rob Leathern over there, the verification process for Google Ads goes better than with Facebook ads. Yeah. We shall see. All right. And something hardly working for me, but I guess it's kind of working hard for us, the agency, because we know what we're talking about, is we got a new account with a decent spend that had a Google rep in there placed into an accelerate growth program when their Google rep had said the account was looking good. They had new highs in the return on ad spend. They're 300% for this client. Everything was looking great. I opened this account up, but again, like Critio, I can't see anything happening. And I'm like, I do not understand 
how these numbers match up in the least bit. They had double tracking. Somehow there was GA tracking pulled in and somehow, again, e-commerce, GA tracking and e-commerce, Shopify tracking pulled in. So every sale was reported twice. And this is the Accelerate Growth Program. Another thing, there was one search campaign, Web Sales, and it had all their competitors, all their overarching keywords, and their brand terms in this campaign. Doing great. Welcome to the Accelerate Growth Program. So if you are in the Accelerate Growth Program, watch out. It's more like Accelerate Spend Program. Am I right? Raise your budgets. <laughs> LOL. And now for this week's Cool Tool. As a reminder, our Cool Tool segment is not an official endorsement or paid mention. We're simply sharing something we found in our travels that may be of use to our listeners and is really, really cool. This week's cool tool is the Amazon Advertising Learning Console. And maybe tool isn't quite the right word, but it sure is cool. Amazon's Learning Console is similar to other ad platform training programs that we know, like Google Skillshop with a series of free self-paced courses, which you can then earn certifications in by passing an assessment. The courses are in video and interactive formats, and they cover topics from the very basics of Amazon advertising, like campaign setup and targeting options, to the more advanced topics like measuring campaigns with Amazon attribution and how to optimize your store. So like I said, the courses are free. You just have to register for a Learning Council account, which is super easy. So whether you've been running ads on Amazon for a while or just thinking about getting started, it's definitely worth a peek. Head on over to advertising.amazon.com slash resources slash learning hyphen console or or you can grab the link from our newsletter and check it out. Now it's time for our must-read marketing article of the week. An article so advanced, so in-depth, so detailed, that we simply cannot cover it in its entirety on today's show. And this week's must-read marketing article of the week comes from Unbounce. And it's the Unbounce Guide to Landing Page Copywriting. Make each word count with compelling landing page copy that convinces more visitors to convert. This didn't have an author, actually, but it has fantastic information. Maybe there's just so many authors they couldn't put all the names on one page. But you can find your value proposition, plan your information hierarchy, write attention-grabbing headlines, create persuasive body copy, find social proof that resonates. That's like the persuasion map. Manual. I didn't read that book, Persuasion. Who's that? Who's the guy that wrote that? That's the name of the book. Yeah. Oh, I did read it. You did? Robert? Oh, Robert. Oh, our dear friend. <laughs> this is Persuasion <laughs> by Robert. <laughs> Cialdini? Robert Cialdini? I don't know. I don't yeah, know what it was. It's but... on my, it's, I think I had to read it in college for my consumer behavior class. And it's currently sitting at my desk because I didn't want my business books at home. So I dumped them all here. Well, we'll see if it's Robert Cialdini. I might be right or right. No, that's it. It is? Oh, there oh, we go. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm confirming it's, I can show you after. <laughs> <laughs> can we, can I see too? <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll for the audio listeners, Mark just confirmed without going to his desk, yeah. just boom, confirmed. And anyway, you can convert with a call to action. Some of the, again, major principles within persuasion and, it's now for landing pages, so big thank you to Unbounce. All right, that does it for today's show. It is now officially not Marketing O'Clock. And remember, you can catch everything from this show over on marketingoclock.com or in our newsletter. While you're there, 
Please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to Marketing O'Clock, part of the Search Engine Journal Podcast Network. If you're looking for more information on today's topics, head over to marketingoclock.com for links to all the articles that we covered. And please be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. Welcome to this week's episode of Shooting the Hack, where after a famous Friday news shows, we don't talk about marketing anymore. We just shoot the hack. And this week, we have everybody's favorite game, Two Kinds of People, where it is a single answer, binary and first up, we're going to say there's two kinds of people. People that like orange Tic Tacs and people that don't. Wow. I mean, I can't tell you the last time I had a Tic Tac, but it probably was orange. Really? I don't know. Wow. I don't, I really don't. I used to like them when I was like five. Yeah, that's a childhood snack. My yeah. wife bought orange Tic Tacs and I had one and I realized they're delightful. Oh. So you are Katie, a person. What about you? They're the only ones I like. Oh. Wow. Strong feeling. They're good. They're what I think about when I think of TikToks. It's yeah. the right size, too. People don't think about that. You have, it's the right size mint. You don't want more mint. Yeah, but orange isn't mint. Can I tell you something disgusting? It's not Coca-Cola TikToks. Ew. Ew. No. Were they Diet Coke? Uh, it just said Coca-Cola on it. Mm. Nothing about that is diet. I also <laughs> asked the a question. Could I tell you something quick? I saw this. I didn't even wait for the response. How rude. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> I'm offended. Why don't you wrap my present newspaper okay, next so we're time? all in agreement on that one. I got one a little more decisive here. I've got one a little more divisive here. So, two kinds of people. People that on a winter hill like to sled and people that like to tube. Mm, I mean, I'm going to say sled. Because I want to go far, and like if I'm gonna have to walk all the way up this big hill, like I want to get something out of it. So, like, and I want to do it as much as I want, and I want to have control. I so, feel like with slides the slide, have control, but tubes go farther. Yes, but tubing I normally associate with like tubing places. Mm -hmm where everyone's on tubes and there's like rules like you wait in line you get mm -hmm. pulled up the hill like you the, you all go down in batches and like sledding i'm just like it's me and like my best pals we're in the second grade having the time of our lives and we are like running getting a start and jumping down our sled head first as far as we can go into the niagara river um <laughs> like <laughs> safe i i have only been tubing a handful of times. Like I've always been a sledder. I don't dislike tubing, but big sledder here. Jess? I, I just feel like if you tube on a regular hill, like they have those sled tubes that you could just buy for personal use, you fall off those. Despite mm -hmm. the handles, I have no room for that. They're so much farther off the ground. Give me a sled all day. Slide, mm -hmm. I'm with Mark. I also feel like sleds are faster. They're more fun. Katie? Tubes are cumbersome, Thank but you. I did get my first ever concussion with a sled. But That's I do fine. like sledding better. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it brings back trauma. Yeah. a girl, what a trooper. Yeah, I'm a slide all the way. I like the control. And I don't like going having my head backward downhill. I just don't like that feeling oh, of yeah, it. Yeah. You can spin. Like, on you it. get a little little sense of like being alive for a second and then like 
but I just don't like going down backwards. That's the other down. thing. Sleds are a lot easier to steer. 100%. Yeah. Wow, that was very divisive. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad we all got a huge fight over that. <laughs> okay, there are two kinds of people. People that enjoy water parks and people that don't. Jess, your thoughts. Indoor water parks or just water parks in general? Water parks. I would enjoy one if I had a private one. I don't want to be a around. private one? Yeah, like if I could go right, down. Michael Jackson, <laughs> what do you got? Neverland Ranch over there? Yeah, like I want a lazy river without somebody peeing in it. I want to go down a slide without somebody waiting at the bottom to get hit by me when I can't control my velocity. Like I think the concept is fun, but in reality, there's just too many people and they're all in bathing suits and no, I don't want to be there. I'm aligned. Like I like the <laughs> idea of water parks. I think the things at water parks are fun, but I can't do with the people. Like if it's busy, like I can do Fantasy Island because there's like all of ten people there. Actually, you can't. Now there's zero. Yeah. <laughs> That's a it's local. Back. It's back. It's, back. it's a local buffalo it. establishment. They open right up for COVID summer. But all of the decor and the jalopy cars are at my childhood friend's dad's house. Yeah, which you can't see. <laughs> and Katie? I like the slides. I don't like the people. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, and I, I'm not I'm not water park. I'm not I'm not in it. I don't I don't like it. I don't like the effort that you have to do. You, like you have to stand on these stairs and the whole oh, time no. I'm like I wonder about the stability of this concrete. Like <laughs> did they use the right mix? Is I I just don't like the scenario. Oh, and I hate when they have like the textured stair that's mm. like sandpaper. And you fall. And oh, you can see ew. through them so you know exactly and how high so you are. So many screaming children, so many children peeing everywhere. <laughs> like, my parents have a pool. I'd rather just go float my parents' pool. As a child, my sister, my cousin, and I would turn lawn furniture into diving boards and slides, and we are still alive. And I think that was a way more fun experience. All right. And safer. I'm with everybody in that. And we will see you next week. Such a highly contested topic. <laughs> <laughs> and no wet masks. Oh. <laughs>